0: Shut the... Is that the coffee machine? We're trying to record a podcast here. How many coffees are you making, Jim? We'll just stop while you make the coffees. Two more.
1: Two more fucking coffees. Hello and welcome back to the Marketing Mashup podcast. That voice you just heard there was today's guest, who is Paul Meller, the co-founder of Meller & Smith, who are an agency here in London, and they also have an office in France. Now, I got Paul on because he's got a really contrary view to everyone else, And it made for a really good back and forth conversation. If you think of things like influencers, traditional media, how advertising should work, the agency client relationship, Paul had a different view on all of those. He's loud, he swears a lot, and it just made for a fun conversation. Anyway, let's get right into it. Paul, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing, mate?
0: Pretty good. I've had a lovely, lovely boozy breakfast. Mm. Uh, this morning, just got into the studio. So I'm, I'm pretty good. I've had a couple of Bloody Marys in me.
1: Perfect. That's what you want at yeah. 10 a.m. on a, <laughs> 10 a.m. 10 a.m. On on a Wednesday. Wednesday morning. Yeah. Well, you did bowl into the office, say morning fuckers, and just enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how do new people find it when when you come in, you go morning fuckers and shouting? Do, do, do you have to have thick skin to work with you? Or
0: I think I'm fair and, and I'm just. Like so w- we have really high standards mm-hmm. and so I think people realise that the minute they walk in, whether they be uh, you know, an employee for the first day or whether they're a client that's you know, a prospect that's walking in for the first time, standards are really high here. Um and we won't accept uh, poor work. Yeah. yeah. And so that's the the benchmark that people are aware of and you know, aim you know, aim at. Um, much easier thing to say than to do um, it means actually engaging your brain, it means having time, uh, it means being able to say no to clients sometimes having a backbone not being and not doing it in a difficult way, not being like no nah, I just need time mate because I'm fucking lazy no, no, if you want to, if this is really important to you, Mr or Mrs client, then you need to give me some time yeah. and if you're not prepared to give me the time then it's not that important to you um, and we're actually really easy to work with. We're an incredibly easy business, an easy agency to work with from a client's point of view, because we're really honest. So we don't tell them what they want to hear. We don't just butter them up, take them out for nice lunches, and then disappoint them, you know, three weeks later. Um, they know exactly where they stand. They know exactly what is required in order to do the work. Um, and they, by and large, they trust us. Uh, I think, you know, you're obviously always going, there's going to be a uh, attention on certain things. You know, you're always going to have clients who are like, look, I just fucking need this, mate. Like, you know, something's come out of the blue and whatever it is, and you just have to accept that's the case. Yeah. It's not like, it's not hard and fast, the rules that we have. We're really flexible, but we're not permanently flexible and being bent over. Um, and that's, I think, the, 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 I suppose, the way that we look at it. Um, our job is to solve their problems. And if we solve our clients' problems, then you know, our marketing director or the CMO or the VP of marketing, whoever it is that's our contact, will look like an absolute fucking winner. And so then they look amazing internally you know, it, it, uh, within the business. Uh, well, that's, that's the byproduct of us doing the best work. That isn't the work.
1: What made you want to start an agency?
0: Um, I was a nightmare to employ. You can imagine uh, that that wasn't the reason i got started <laughs> that is the reason why i was unemployed or unemployable uh yeah i was i was a bit of a i wasn't the best employee um in my in my early days i'd just go to the pub at midday um like leave the office go at the pub at midday and just quite often not come back um and you know well within their rights i would get the sack uh, so that, uh, that happened for quite a few years. I would work for different agencies, get the sack. Not always at agencies, I worked all different things. Um, but most of the time ended up in the pub. Uh, and then after about five years of doing that, bouncing around different jobs, um, doing all different things. Some agency stuff, like I say, and some not. I ended up in the French Alps doing a ski season and met my now wife, who is amazing and very gentle, actually, and really kind. But the one time she was laying down the fucking, down her feet, she was like, this is it. Stop being a fucking dickhead, go back to London, get a proper job, stick at it for a while. So I did it for a year, um, and then set up Melvin Smith, went out in a bit of a ball of flames. It was my last, it was my last one. Um, Yeah, and and so woke up, having told the the guy that ran the agency to stick it, (laughs) I woke up the next morning in my pants with a proper hangover. It's like fuck, <laughs> got to do this now.
1: No problem with burning bridges, then you don't. Um,
0: no, I mean, I've, like, I've got no problem being honest, yeah. and so I think I've probably tempered my uh, joie de vivre uh, these days a little bit. But yeah, it, if you if you believe something, you believe it. Now, of course, with a bit of experience, you know you. Uh, I think I'm better at uh, accepting when I might be right or wrong. You know, there's a, there's a little bit more humility in me these days than there was was back then. Um, I mean, I was just a fucking dickhead most of the time through my twenties uh, until I set up the agency. What was that? Twenty seven, twenty eight. Um, so yeah, so I, yeah, I was a dick most of the
1: time. Had you worked yeah. at agencies most of the time?
0: Mostly, yeah. I mean I did a lot of other stuff. Um, I worked at some big, so on brand side, I worked uh, not always in marketing. Um, I worked for some big, like I worked for like Vodafone, I worked for some water companies. I, then wor- I was a financial broker for a while, worked in a pub. I used to run events. I worked at an events company. I was not, you know, the sure bet. <laughs> and then like I said, I ended up in the Alps. Uh, working in a bar and then met my now wife
1: um, very nice What what's your discipline by trade what, what, what uh, are you? I'm a designer okay
0: a lot of respect for people that stick to their their trade and they and they master it and I think that we need more of those types of people and less people like me really um but yeah I'm a yeah I was I studied design at university um and you know I have an opinion about most things, not just design, whether it be copy, art direction, account management, client services, a and L, you know, whatever it is.
1: Why do you think people need to be more more specialised instead of all rounders? Because I'd I'd consider myself more of an all rounder, um, got lots of skills and lots of different things, but and I'm completely fine with that. But
0: yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's not a one size fits all. Uh, what I have a problem with is people that. Uh, s- say that they can do stuff when they haven't been trained in that and that's across the board that's not just in our industry but if we take our industry as a, a case in point people that go into marketing having not studied the discipline of marketing you imagine an accountant that goes yeah I'm gonna become a fucking account but yeah I, I don't know anything about adding up you know like no you know the discipline of uh, of marketing is paramount and that's both agency and brand side clearly it, I think it, there's a higher propensity for people to move into the brand side, you know, client side of things, if you want to m- be involved in the, the day-to-day of marketing, but there's not enough people that do that. And that's something that Mark Ritson talks about, so um, the Mar- uh, Marketing Week columnist. On the f- uh, flip side of that, agency side, people that think they can write copy when they're not a copywriter, people that think they can design shit when they're not a designer, um, people that think that they can run accounts when they're not account people it doesn't make any sense yeah. like be a master of that craft that's one of the reasons why advertising is totally fucking shit today like the output is a turd as an industry uh, you know we have a few highlights but the 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 average is fucking horrendous let's be honest um, and that's because there's loads of people that think they can do the job that Can't do the job, and yeah, that's. I think that should be some one of the things that should change. And you know, a a lack of humility—people thinking they can do stuff when they when they can't—and they go, "Yeah, fucking, of course I can do that. Can't be that hard." Mm. And that's something that you know, if we think about copywriting, that's something that Vicky Ross talks about quite a lot. I mean, she's one of the most prominent copywriters in the UK, Um, and she uh, she's like, I fucking drives me up the wall when uh, people. Write copy for her. You're like, No, I'm the copywriter. I'll write the copy. <laughs> you stick to your job. I'll do my job. And you know, and she is one of the best in the business.
1: Yeah, you, you, you mentioned. Well, you, we've already got onto to how advertising <laughs> yeah. is uh, pretty broken in your eyes. What? What? Why is it broken?
0: Anyone can be a loudmouth. I mean, I am one of those. Anyone can be that, but it needs to be backed up with some actual facts. Yeah. And so the 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 defining metric for me is the average londoner sees a thousand ads a day so that's radio tv print mobile podcast whatever it is right so they're subjected to a thousand ads a day of those thousand 89% of them are immediately forgotten fucking 80, <laughs> 89% and uh, you know beyond that 4% are remembered positively and 7% are remembered negatively so i'd much rather be in that 4 and 7% than the 89 um can you imagine if 89% of the buildings that an architect designed fell down and it was it was accepted? You know what, mate, that's just collateral damage. That's just the way it goes. That is a fucking joke. It's That is that is how shit advertising and marketing is at its job. Um, and there are a whole host of reasons for that, but that is the headline that people need to remember and they will fucking spit their coffee out and they'll do the same thing, no. We as an industry are fucking terrible at our job. Now, there are some people that are better than others, no doubt. And there are some agencies that are better than others, no doubt. And I would, you know, I'd like to think that Mellor and Smith are above my agency are above the average. But like fucking we as an industry are shit, really shit.
1: What have we got to do to change it?
0: What have we got to do? I mean, like, how long's a, You know, how long's your arm? Uh, there are a number of things that we could do. Um, we could, first of all, accept that it's a problem. So the humility to accept that we have a problem is the first thing. Now, you will not find Martin Sorrell going, oh, yeah, there's a fucking problem. Like, the, you know, the most powerful man before he's caught with his pants down his ankles, the most powerful man in advertising, he's not going to be saying stuff like that, right? So I think the first thing is a bit of humility. Second thing, we've already touched on it, people actually being crafts, you know, craftspeople, craftsmen, crafts women, you know, like honing their skill. Um, The ability to have a backbone. So when you believe in something, actually saying it rather than just taking the check. Loads of agencies just go, yeah, just yes, yes, men. Yeah, we'll do that. No worries. Yep, yep, yep. Even though they know that it's wrong. Uh, And that's, but that's pervasive across, you know, all disciplines, Um, an absolute addiction to digital. It's the most corrupt, shittiest, most fraudulent channel available to us. It also just happens to be the cheapest. And I'm not saying that everything digital is um, uh, is wrong, but the complete addiction to digital, to the detriment of all other channels, is a huge problem an absolute fixation on data. Why the fuck are we obsessed with data? Again, I don't have a problem with data per se. There are lots of places where data plays a really important role. You know, and some of those instances would be if you've got a product, if you've got an app, let's say, data informs how people use your product. Right, we'll use that data to improve your product. But when data is used perversely is in examples like Um, We want data-driven insights. We want data-driven creative. Fuck off. Like, absolutely (laughs) fuck off. No, I'm way more interested in trusting my gut. The ability to uh, uh, watch people and understand how people uh, live their lives and then write advertising that speaks to that people, that is way more powerful than, well, this uh, algorithm has collected absolute fuckloads of data and – uh, the insight is XYZ. No, abs- that is never going to give me the picture nearly as rich as what I could get from just hanging around in uh, restaurants if it's a restaurant client, hanging around in stores if it's a if it's a retailer, hanging around in car showrooms if it's someone that's fucking sells cars. Whatever it is, hanging around in pubs. I do a lot of that. You know, if it's a, if it's a booze client. Um, absolute addiction to data. Uh, what else? Uh, addiction to or a fixation on uh, short-termism.
1: Tell like, me about it. That is, no, I literally, I just wrote down short-term versus long-term. Yeah, because t- t- tell tell me um, your thoughts on it. Well,
0: not. the average tenure of a CMO is down to eighteen months. Fucking eighteen months. That is a joke. What can you get done in eighteen months? You can get some stuff done, but anything that you achieve in inside 18 months <laughs> is based on short-term gain. Yeah. There is no medium or long-term planning involved in that. Um, I think also linked to that is um, a real desire to have short-term gain and being able to prove, right, this worked, right, we've, we've, been, we've been running this campaign two weeks and the results are X, Y, Z. You're like, whoa, mate, just chill the fuck out. You know, like yes I understand that we need some results uh, and no doubt the targets should be you know number of downloads of apps it should be number of products sold in a retailer it should be number of cars sold in the showroom whatever like whatever it is I'm not saying I have, have a problem with that what I have a problem with is after two weeks how many, um, how many cars we sold alright mate fucking campaign has been running two weeks um, another one not just short termism on the results side but short termism on the uh, time you have to Deliver the creative, and not just creative. The strategy, you know, the whole picture. So from start to finish, um, uh, brands are ever um, ever put, putting more ever more pressure onto agencies, both in terms of cost and uh, time. For you know, cheaper, cheaper creative in shorter amounts of time. Um, the the best work takes time and the the client has to trust the agency. Now the agency has to win the trust of the client. You know, it's a two-way street. I, I definitely don't go around just bashing clients. This is a two-way problem. It's not like fucking agency there's agencies are the golden child and and clients are a bunch of dickheads. That is not the case. This is a two-way street. Um, so clients need to be told that they need more time. So that means standing up from the agency side saying, look, we need more time. Not being a yes man and saying, look, if you want this, if this is really, really important to your business, then we need a month, two months, three months, four months, whatever it is, depending on the, the ask, rather than going, yeah, can I have it next week? Fuck yeah! Well, of course you I c- you can have something next week, mate, but it's not going to be as good as something that I could produce if you give me a month or two months.
1: That's the problem with the the whole agency industry in general, to be honest, because they're they well, a lot of agencies are at the mercy of their clients, and they'll act like that. They will start to um, deliver creative in a week because they want to hit the, the the client wants to hit their deadline. Um, but what then that does is it brings down the whole industry because. Uh, the expectations are are raised, so so you can get this quick turnaround. The CMO does their their eighteen months with one agency. They they go to the next company, uh, wh- wh- who use Miller and Smith, who say no no no, we, we we take time to deliver stuff. And they go well no because at my last company, the agency, were turning around stuff in two weeks, and they were delivering res- results in two weeks, and that's what I need because I've got to justify my position. Otherwise, I'll be out in another eighteen months. Yeah. I mean what, what what can we do about that? Um, I think there's a whole but there's a whole host of things. Um
0: we need to get back trust. I think uh clients don't trust agencies as like they used to for sure. Um I think that the public don't trust brands and they definitely don't trust agencies. You know, there was the recent research so recent it was like january this year so what's that nine ten months ago but research came out that showed it looked at all of the different um uh, industry sectors uh, and again like i've named dropped him twice now uh, mark ritson but he wrote an article on it in marketing week where it showed uh, what uh professions are trusted and you've got you know doctors at the top uh, and uh, uh, advertising execs and marketers We're bottom. So people trust estate agents more than they trust us. They trust politicians more than they trust us. (laughs) And you're like, no fucking way. Like, no wonder Uh, 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 we're not trusted. All of the things I've listed out uh, uh, show a complete disregard for the public. You know, the, the, the advertising is terrible. And the point of advertising is that it interrupts someone's life. So don't no matter what form of advertising you have, no matter what channel, it's going to interrupt someone doing something, right? So when the public get interrupted and it's shit, they go, I don't like that. That's not cool. You've interrupted my day with a turd. That like I'm not going to like that. And I'm not, and that's going to erode any trust I have for that interruption going forwards. And so you think, well, No wonder they don't trust us. No wonder we're so fucking far down the list of professions. But if you listen to Martin Sorrell giving some shareholder speech, oh no, chat, 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 no, you're talking about your ass, mate. It's uh, it's so perverse, the view that our industry has on itself and the view, the actual reality of the situation, the public, the people that buy the fucking products that we advertise uh, and we market, those people hate our guts. So much so that uh, ad blockers, it's like, what is it? I mean, I don't know, there's even like a verifiable number, but anywhere between 20 and 40% of internet users have an ad blocker installed. Like, fuck, that is a huge number. And they've done that because we annoy the fuck out of them with the things that we produce. That should say it all.
1: I, I, I think it does. Um, what, uh, Going back to your point about we're addicted to data, we're addicted to short-termism, digital. What do you make of um, the insight industry, You Cantar, Moor Brown and um, the, the market research that they do, and then brands feeding off this data that they have and then, and then making their marketing decisions based on that?
0: Um, so I have nothing but respect for the strategy and insight industry. I think there's some incredibly smart people and some very smart businesses that work with brands on strategy and the insights that is driven out of that strategy. Like uh, that relationship, really key. And we as a business at Mellor & Smith, we put a lot of emphasis on strategy and insight. That comes all before we put pen to paper and start thinking about ideas. Um, So that I have a lot of time for and a lot of respect for. I'm skeptical and I have quite a lot of friends in the market research focus group uh, industry and some people that are doing very well out of it and they don't like it when I slag off their industry. Um, But I have, yeah, but (laughs) I still do it. One of them is my neighbor (laughs) and he doesn't, he runs one of the biggest market research companies uh, in Europe. Um, But I don't, put a huge amount of emphasis on or uh value on the output of market research and focus groups and things i think it's so lazy uh on the behalf of the agencies i'm talking about creative agencies now um to go right well focus group output was you know uh x y and z so therefore that is gospel that doesn't strike me as anything remotely close to smart what is far smarter is an agency getting off their ass and going into the car showroom going into Sainsbury's going into Ikea watching how people buy the fucking product in the first place um, that is going to give them far more insight than uh, you know the, the output of a focus group and the focus group is, is full of people that I like sort of serial focus group. <laughs> Who want, goers. Their <laughs> want their twenty quid? They want the twenty quid and their sandwich <laughs> and they'll tell you that they like the logo in blue, not red. You're like, no, Bob, fuck off. Take your 20 quid in your sandwich and get lost. Um it's a it's a huge business. Like, you know, this <laughs> but like I don't think a huge amount of insight is derived out of it. Um now nah, they can there's gonna be some perlers that are that you know the exceptions prove the rule. But in the main, it doesn't drive that much. Um, what is far more valuable is a bunch of people from an agency going into and eating in the restaurant that's the client. You know, So if McDonald's is your restaurant, go to fucking McDonald's. Um, but you won't find agencies doing that. Um, that's And that's a problem because it requires a bit of effort. And so that's why they don't do it. Um, and it's much easier just to enlist the uh the help of a market research or focus group orientated piece of work and that that's you're never going to get good stuff out of that i mean so we used to work with ikea and i would just go and hang around in ikea like like a bit of a bad smell on a saturday morning
1: yeah, mate that's normal yeah people go to ikea and spend hours there yeah you're all right there? i knew
0: all i knew where all the shortcuts are you know on the roof <laughs> and that
1: like you know but i would just go no, and hang around right, just yeah. watch
0: people what are they doing uh, like spending a fuckload of money, like for one thing, people go there and spend a hell of a lot of money. But they also go there and spend most of a Saturday. So, you know, they'll go and have their lunch, they'll shop, then they'll go and pick stuff up, then they'll go back and they'll pick up the other bits from a different de- department. It is, but you wouldn't get any of that from a focus group.
1: No, absolutely. W- w- one of my questions was going to be, was do you practice what you preach? Do you Do you, as an agency, do you go out to your brands, go and see how their consumers are actually... Um, acting and yes you, you go to ikea but i think ikea is quite an easy one i mean I, I i i ikea you can go to and and watch people people understand that yes you do spend a day in ikea i could have told you that what 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 other companies do you, do you do uh, so
0: one of the most difficult ones that people always ask me about is uh, b2b they're like ah oh, b2b mate it's totally different yeah. it's not it's not different at all it's still people they're not spending their own money; they're Tell spending somebody that. else's money. You know, spending the company money. So that is the only difference. They are still people. They still have dreams, desires, pains. They have all of these things. You know, they're not—they're not, they're no different. They're not when, just they're, leads. In the, <laughs> when, they, when they're in the uh, office. When they are in in the office, they're still the same person. When they go to Sainsbury's, the difference, of course, is getting access to understanding those people. So we work with an accountancy client. So I go to accountancy conferences now they're dull as shit um and i'm not interested in like the finer detail of that you know whatever it is that, that someone's giving me a keynote about what i'm interested in is what are accountants interested in what are their you know how do they how do they interact with each other how do they interact with customers how do they sell their services how do they um roll with the punches when they're challenged on, you know, uh, pricing, product, service, whatever it is. Now that's like as as pure B2B as you can get. So I still have to go and see these people. I just don't go to a shop. I go to a, a conference, a trade show. I read the trade press, you know, like I get into the mindset uh, and under the skin of uh, uh, of that industry, whatever it is. So in, this, in that case, accountancy. So you'll see me knocking about accountancy um, conferences. I'm not going to Zero Con which is like the big one in London in a couple of weeks uh, in the middle of November but you know that's like that's like the rock and roll version of Accountancy you know um, yeah I'm not going to that one but uh, you know I'll knock about uh, uh, various other ones and that's an example of B2B and also things that aren't like Ikea which is obviously which said is really a much more straightforward uh, one um, yeah so that, I think that's a good a good way to do it I think it's possibly the only way to do it
1: I like that I really I really do I, everything you just said I couldn't agree with more they're humans like it frustrates me so much how the approach to B2B is so much different to the approach to B2C who's doing B2B well how, how do you make a good B2B creative how do you make a good B2B campaign anybody that's
0: a B2B brand that is um, employing the principles of traditional media so by that I mean uh, outdoor print, uh, national press, TV, radio, then they're going to have an inherent advantage over en- any of their competitors or all of their competitors, because the vast majority, if not all of them, of their competitors in that industry are not using those uh, media. So that's the first thing. Say so you can literally you can produce the same average same average work just put it on an a af- more effective uh, channel and you're going to see a little uptick you know in uh, in you know sort of client terms you know the dial will move right now that isn't what i would suggest as like that isn't the progn you know that isn't the diagnosis for the problem but at the very least that is something that uh, a brand in B2B world can do actually thinking about their customer And understanding that it's as difficult to get their customers' attention as as it is in B two B world as it is in B two C world is isn't that an acknowledgement of that fact is again a really strong indicator of moving in the right direction. Um, Employing a decent agency, uh, giving that agency time, uh, allowing that agency to employ uh, the the best creative uh, to solve the problem, like you know, getting them to go for stuff that is um, that is different. That's so, you know. So we talk about take fucking risks. You take fucking risks, you get noticed. The job of advertising is to get noticed. That is its number one job, which is why it's fucking travesty why eighty nine percent of it is ignored, right? So eighty nine percent of it ignored. How to not be that guy? is to take a risk, be different to everybody else. You will get noticed. You will see that the inbound sales inquiries go up, and they go up a fucking lot. Um, so who's doing it well? I mean, we were talking about accountancy uh, a few minutes ago. I think Zero a really good example of a brand that's in a very, a very, very B2B space. You know, Accountancy couldn't be more B2B. Um, and they're a business that advertises well, positions well, um, and they're in the rewards of it. Now, we don't work with them. I'd fucking love to. Zero, if you're listening,
1: mm.
0: get on the blower. Um, I'd love to work with them, but I think they're doing it really well. I think they could do it even better. I think it's a really low bar that they've jumped over. You know, you'd look at like all of the other accountancy packages, you know, like your Sage and all that rubbish. I mean, the bar was was and is incredibly low for zero to get noticed, but they've done a really good job.
1: How, how do you convince CMOs, clients, to take risks and to invest in these in these other channels when we've got this easily trackable, cheap um, online marketing, digital marketing?
0: Okay, so if if um, a new client of ours is spending a lot of money on digital. We'll get under the skin of there because you know, they'll go. Oh, we've got loads of data. We've got loads of results. And you're like, cool. Let's have a look then. Let's go for it. And like, show me. And what you'll find is that it quickly unravels, and that is because it's so fraudulent. So you know, you just have to look at just like type Facebook into Google into the news part of Google, um, and the corruption is incredible. Um, the metrics are not independently verified across digital as a whole. So, you know, all TV and outdoor spend is independently verified. Radio spend is independently verified. Digital, it's a fucking wild west. So when they go, yeah, you've had uh, 17 million views of your video and you're like, okay, cool. So what's a view? One second. So as I scroll through my Facebook feed, that counts as a view of a 30 second video and I saw one second of it as it went from the bottom of my screen to the top of my screen and off the top, like you are in cloud cuckoo land if you think that that is effective marketing. And that's just one example. I actually think social media marketing is one of the few bits of digital marketing as a whole that are slightly more effective than others. Um, You have to think about, just just think anecdotally of your own behaviors, now I wouldn't normally just think about my own behaviors, but if I want to use this as a, you know, as a, a, as a method, I go, right. When was the last time you clicked on a web banner? Hmm. I mean, I know when my, I clicked on it in January, 2009, that was the last time for me over 10 years ago was the last time I clicked on a web banner, right? When was the last time you clicked on an Instagram post where, you know, there was a model wearing a new t-shirt and you went and bought that t-shirt. Yeah. You do that more often. That was like, a few months ago the last time I did that. So it is just anecdotally, yeah. it is a more effective. Now it's not like, it isn't effective, <laughs> like in like what, it, you know, like in, in the realms of, you know, try to optimize your effectiveness, it isn't the best thing you do, but it's, it's a hell of a lot better in terms of effectiveness than a web display. And web banners and stuff.
1: Well, what what is effective then?
0: Yeah, so I think there are two things here. There is the perception of effectiveness and the actual true effectiveness. So, you know, I get called a dinosaur and a Luddite because I think traditional media is the most effective. But of course, that doesn't fit the narrative of the young, thrusting marketeer um, where they must know it must be all digital because everyone's on their phone 24-7. And you're like, you are a fucking moron. Uh, because you don't look at the actual facts, the facts show that the biggest media is the most effective so TV radio outdoor, and national print those are way more effective than all of you know like the uh, your digital web display programmatic uh, social media um, stuff like that trade press as well it's actually not that effective. Um the one of those that I've just put in the like in the relegation zone that is more effective than the others is social media advertising. It is uh, it is pretty effective and search It's incredibly effective for certain uh industries. Um however, if you so there was some research done again at the start of this year that showed what was effective and it gave a top ten, and then it showed the perception of effectiveness. So they interviewed. I think the uh, top two hundred advertisers in the world, the CMO of each of those, and said, "What top? You know, give me your uh, one to ten of effectiveness um, in their perception." And it was completely the other way around. So everything that isn't effective, as in proven with proper research, was at the top of these CMOs, um, and that's. Um, um, that's madness. That shows you how uh, uh, duped these people are, and I and I do mean I don't think they're trying. They, you know, like the CMO of these big businesses is not like on the take. Like from uh, like uh, for the uh, spending digital, they're not trying to make it ineffective. They've been duped to thinking that it is effective, um, and that's 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 terrible.
1: I find all this really interesting. Uh, just just the other week, I was interviewing Aaron Shepard on the podcast. Have you heard of him or his agency? No, the I've Go not. T- tell me, please, tell me. So they're they're an influencer marketing agency, and they well he, he's a very good salesman, and he gives the complete opposite pitch to you. The complete opposite pitch. He goes, "No one's looking at ads. You're wasting money if you're if you're using traditional media. Everyone's on their phones. That 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 is." That is where you should be putting your budget you should be taking if your budget split sixty forty you should be making it um ninety ten um because it, you, you can get so much better returns on on the digital side so I'd love to get you in a room with him and and yeah put, I'm, I'm put forward the... and discuss because yeah. uh you, you you're both very passionate you both have very good viewpoints on it but i'll 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 challenge you a little bit about traditional media when you said that um, we see a thousand ads a day um 89% aren't noticed is that more to do with just the creative or is it uh, advertising really isn't isn't effective it, it, there's not much point putting um putting money into traditional media
0: yeah no so uh, the point the reason why they're ignored is uh the creative is yeah. predominant is the predominant factor as to why they're ignored then the sort of the the secondary point is the media that the vast majority of the spend is on digital as opposed to you know uh, so that the the upward trajectory of spend has been uh, towards uh, digital spend as opposed to traditional media spend, and I think that has a, a, a knock on effect. I don't think the reason why eighty nine percent is forgotten is because we spend loads of money on digital like that is a contributing factor you know the, the main reason is because the creative isn't strong enough. Um, the point around, I mean, influencer marketing, what a crock of shite. I mean, like seriously, uh, it's a con. I mean, it's a con. They're like, they are not influencing. Uh, Like it doesn't, how can anyone suggest that influencer marketing is effective? What it does is it gives a hard-on to the, uh, the marketing team because it's sexier and that is the problem right so it's sexier to spend your money with an influencer uh, than it is to put your money in outdoor and so then that's why it's become this thing and it's like as if influencer marketing is a fucking new thing like we <laughs> we as an industry have been spending money with celebrities and celebrity endorsement for years like decades and now suddenly it's a uh, oh well it's all about instagram uh you know youtubers and they're really influential are oh, they fuck they're not nearly af- as effective as you think they are and so the this takes me back to uh, uh sir john hegarty yeah right fucking love him right and he's uh, <laughs> like people would get uh, really excited about i don't know 30,000 40,000 50,000 likes like, fuck it, I don't get a bed for less than a million. And that's because he puts his ads in the uh, the ad break for Coronation Street. Like, it's just fucking, it, like, an ad there shits all over the 30,000 likes that an influencer's got where they've uh, talked about a new skincare range or whatever it is that they're talking about. Um, no, it is it is a con.
1: What, what what's your sort of definition of effectiveness in in this scenario um because I, I, i'm i'm quite neutral I, I quite enjoy this looking at both sides at both sides of it um because i'm sure on on the influencer side of it they'd say well we can give you a return on investment if <clears throat> if if the metrics you're measuring they're not impressions. They're not likes. They're actual sale- sales you've made. I mean, it goes back to short-termism. But the, the, the sales you made through this campaign or through this activation using, using influencers. I lost my train of thought. Well,
0: no, that's the point, isn't it? What's the job of advertising? The job of advertising isn't to sell the product. The mm. job of advertising is to get noticed. It is then the job of the marketing department within that business to turn that thing that is... Has been noticed into a sale, um, and if it's B two B world, then it's not just the marketing team, it's also the sales team. You know, so that sales qualified lead, which is what B two B is built on. You know, so eyes an advertiser get that brand noticed. That uh, uh, c- consumer then uh, makes a quality a sales qualified lead into that business. The sales team then pick up that sales qualified lead and. Uh, potentially you know hopefully turn it into a uh, a sale therefore cash. So the job of advertising isn't to uh, sell more products or services. the job of advertising is to get noticed. So to say that, that so your question was what yeah. is my metric on effectiveness? has it been noticed? It's really fucking simple. And so, when someone goes, yeah, it's been noticed by I don't know. Let's say there's a, a video that an influencer uh, on Instagram has put on there, and it's been watched two hundred thousand times. You're like, are you fucking like, are you insane? How is that more effective than the four million people that watch Coronation Street?
1: Well, what what if um, what if that person on Instagram was had? All of those two hundred thousand, you say 200,000, 200, yeah, we're all accountants, and you're an accountancy firm, so that's really useful to you. Versus is it? those well, Of course, it is. If versus those four million people on Coronation Street,
0: right? So you, so right. So we're getting down into the like the defining your segments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Okay, so uh, it comes down to narrowcast versus broadcast, right? So uh, don't know why. But people are obsessed with um, targeting, right? So they go, right, well, if I put a TV ad on, then uh, how do I know of those 4 million people that th- then they're not, all those 4 million people aren't accountants? Only a uh, certain percentage are, right? So well, that's a waste. Think of all that money I've wasted only getting the attention of, 3% of the audience, 2% of the audience, 1%, whatever the fuck it is, right? And they go, well, I could spend a hell of a lot less. And then that accountant influence. S- <laughs> influencer, like <laughs> <With> two hundred thousand. <000 laughs> yeah, like um, suddenly got all like all those two hundred thousand accountants follow them. Yeah. And um, well no, that isn't that's narrow cast. That isn't broadcast like the you're um meddling with the principles. Like these are fucking like these these are the, uh, the, the building blocks of marketing. And this goes back to one of my points at the very, very start. There are way too many people that have not been taught the actual like, uh, the, the, the building blocks of marketing. And then that's why things like fucking social media influences gets so much traction and airtime because people don't have the wherewithal to be able to challenge the claims that are made then like I'm on I'm a fucking soapbox now, right? <laughs> and then you have the problem of the fact it's not even remotely regulated. So yeah. your 200,000 views of this accountancy social media influencer, <laughs> um, who I want to meet, by the way, because like, um, no, the, uh, uh, this social media influencer with their, with their 200,000 views and 30,000 likes, how do you know that that is verified? You don't. Like those likes... Massive portion of them are fraudulent, as in they're from those likes from people that don't exist. And those views. You have these click farms. You know, these click farms where people can buy likes and views. So how the hell do you know that your two hundred thousand is actually two hundred thousand? How the hell do you know that your thirty thousand is actually thirty thousand? You don't, because it's a fucking wild west of fraudulent fucking shitstorm. And then your your TV it's expensive but it's independently verified it's fucking loads of people like i mean huge numbers of people um but none of that goes into the uh the thinking and the the thought process from the from the marketing team they go well now it's way sexier to do something with like the uh this social media influencer
1: And, and is your point being that that's advertising and if i say well if if Our accountancy social media influencer generates um, a million of revenue off of that. Um, You're saying that that's down to marketing instead of advertising. That's not advertising. No.
0: So the social media is definitely still advertising. It is still advertising. That's why they're coming under a lot of scrutiny and they have to market as ads. Right. And so they should. Mm -hmm. Um, My point is that it's it's not effective. I mean, it, it, it isn't. Um, the uh, the people that say it's effective are young people and they go, well, everyone's on their phone. You're like, no, they're fucking not. Not everyone lives in London in some uh, yeah. ridiculous London bubble. Not everyone's on Instagram. There are millions and millions of people out there in the rest uh, spread all over this country that don't give a fuck what goes on in London. They're not eating smashed avocado on toast. They're way more interested in what's going on, what's happening in Coronation Street tonight. I'm going down the pub. Like, you know, uh, they have much bigger problems. Am I gonna make the rent this month? But, you know, you wouldn't think that if you spoke to uh, advertising people in London, they're just massively out of touch. And that's because they go, oh, everyone's a fucking social media, yeah, social media influence, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, no, mate, you, the, the pool within which you're fishing is so fucking small, um, in, in that case, in, in that instance, it's, it's not effective.
1: I enjoy your point of view. I do. We, we, we've spoken about this a lot. Um, let's let's move on to take fucking risks. Yeah. What's it all about?
0: Take fucking risks. Um, it is a an event series that we started, uh, and I must say that I take a lot of the credit, um, as the front man. But actually, the the vast majority of the work is done by Cookie Tabiner, who's um one of the people in the in the agency. She's amazing, and she's essentially the take fucking risks queen you know she's amazing um essentially i've been talking about taking fucking risks as in do the opposite to your competition to brands and clients for a number of years because that's how you get noticed if you're the same as everybody else no one takes the blindest bit of notice about uh, uh, what you're saying and what you're doing and what you're selling um so do the opposite to everybody else take fucking risks and then I realized that I could only really talk to, after a couple of years, I could only really talk to, like, one boardroom at a time. You know, it's one meeting at a time, and I can uh, talk about the, uh, the merits of this. So we're in the pub. I'm like, fuck it. Why don't you just do an event? So the first event was two years ago, and then we just put you know, 50 people turned up in the upstairs room of a pub, and it went really successful. I couldn't believe that 50 people showed up. And then fast forward two and a half years, we have them roughly once a quarter now. And we have over 400 people turn up, roughly split 50-50 agency brand. um, And these people turn up, uh, have a few beers, listen to some amazing speakers all about taking fucking lists. And it's that speaker's view on taking fucking lists. They're really... Uh, they're really well supported. We get a really high return rate. I'm constantly uh, amazed that we've managed to create this. And it is li- it is a side hustle. I mean, it's not something that uh, is our main business. We're an agency. Um, but it's probably the largest creative event series in London now. It's much bigger than all of those other people that run really, you know, have got entire teams uh, dedicated to putting on these events. That's really, that's like... That's a wonderful feeling. Um, and we get to meet some amazing people that I would never get to meet. Um, and yeah, they're they're really I would thoroughly recommend anybody who's never been to one to come along. They're pretty cheap, twenty five quid for a ticket, you get a beer included in that, and you get to listen to two or three uh people uh speak for I don't know, sort of half an hour each, twenty minutes, half an hour each. And we get some big names.
1: Are we too PC in this world, do you reckon? Because 'cause you're or you're obviously not. You look at the majority of CMOs, businesses, so polished, so scripted, so boring, same as everyone else. Yeah. Are we too PC? Um,
0: yeah. You know what? I think like honesty has slipped down the pecking order of uh, personality traits. Mm. And so I think there's a lack of honesty. Um, and there's in, in corporate land, I think there's too much politicking, you know, and I, uh, and I find that really hard to stomach when I see that from the outside, um, but I accept that there needs to—it's going to happen, and people are always going to compete, you know, to get the the C-suite jobs. Right? Um, is there too much PC? What I think, or what I find is that the brands that we speak to know that I'm being honest. Now I, I give it in an unv- unvarnished, like tone, but. I'm telling them the truth. I'm, I'm giving them my advice. They know exactly where they stand. Now that isn't for everybody. You know, there's plenty of people out there that are CMOs of uh, brands where they, you know, they they're quite happy having the slick uh, snake oil salesman, uh, and that doesn't interest me. So those people are never going to um, be clients of ours, and I accept that that's the case um we have a really really high retention rate with our clients so we're nearly 11 years old as a business some of our clients have been with us 9 years that's that's a fucking long time and they've stayed with us because they trust what we say uh they trust there's 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 results in you know over those years there's been enough wins where i've said look this is this is what you need to be doing this is what you need to be saying don't say this, don't say that. And they followed our advice and it's come true. And so then there's credit in the bank uh, in that respect. Um, I don't think there's there's way too much vanilla. We need more troublemakers. We need more people uh, that cause trouble. I'm not saying we need more Paul Mellor's. That's a (laughs) bit too much. But like we need more troublemakers. We need more people uh, that uh, stick their neck out based on, experience you know and talent and stick the neck out and say what they believe rather than just sticking in the crowds i think we as an industry would be a hell of a lot better placed if there were more people being actually honest and delivering results based on you know their whatever it is that they're espousing um there's a there's way too many snake oil salesmen
1: how do you deal with sort of cmos clients who 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 are very different to you they're 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 not as honest. They're, they're too slick, and do you just decide not to work with them? Or
0: um, I think it's a two it's a two way thing, yeah. you know. So they will, you know, sort of I- I inherently not want to work with us, and that, like I said, that's okay. Like, I'm, like <laughs> we can't work with everybody, um, and I don't really want to work with people like that. I'm happy to work with people that I don't like, and I might, you know, we even work with people that we don't really get on with but they they trust our opinion. And I think that's the difference. There's way too many people that are trying to be liked mm. rather than delivering the best work they possibly can. Um, and a, a, a bit of healthy tension, is there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I, you know, so I have a bit of a theory that ideas are inherently contentious and for an idea to be an idea, it needs to be new. And if something's new, then it's going to be contentious. So there has to be some healthy debate between us, the agency, Madam Smith, and the client. Um, and I'm quite—we're quite happy with that. We don't want people that just yes, 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 yes. We want people to uh, to debate it. But they're debating it in the full knowledge that we're the experts at. Our bit, and they're the experts at their bit. And if there, if there's that healthy respect, then I'm more than happy to debate the merits of decisions that we're making. It's when it comes top down. No, I'm fucking right. This is it. Bam, bam, bam. Shut down. And you're like, that is no way to get the best work. Um, So ideas are inherently contentious. But if you say that to somebody, they're like, fucking hell, I can't possibly have a a bit of um, debate and and contention. No, 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 I need, you know, I must keep the peace and I must politic and get around the sides and stab people in the back and I'm not for any of that. Um, So that's why when I say we're incredibly easy to work with in that you know exactly where you stand and we know exactly where we stand. Um, And if there's that healthy respect for each other's, points of view and skill sets, then we produce fucking good work together.
1: What what happens when y- you have a disagreement with a client and because if you're opinionated, you feel very strongly about something, you, you're gonna let them know.
0: Like never split the difference. Um, split the difference is a, is a shortcut to like nothing. Um, that doesn't mean that we don't uh, listen to other people's views. But if somebody's going to tell me that their idea for an ad campaign, you know, and they're the CMO or the VP of marketing, or whatever it is, is better, then I'm be like, why are you doing your job? Why did you employ us if you had this amazing idea? And actually, the things that we discuss are not the idea. It's always uh, the, the strategy, like what we're trying to uh, achieve is that insight correct those are the kinds of things that we will uh debate it's very rare that we have clients that will go no that's like this idea that i have for a campaign is better than yours um i'm not saying that'll never happen but it's incredibly rare what's far more likely when we talk with clients is yeah right so is the strategy right are we going after the right people um is this going to resonate with that person those are the kinds of things that are uh, m- much more likely to be discussed, and you know, we'll just talk it through. We'll, you know, we'll debate it, and eventually uh, we'll see where the answer is. Um, uh, Sir Frank Lowe. I've been like name dropping loads today, but Sir Frank Lowe, who ran Lowe, obviously uh, was an, a great uh, agency owner. Uh, I'd never met him. I'd, I'd love to, but uh, his view when he was showing a client work was, um, and they would pick up a pencil, you'd be like, what are you doing? I'd be like, well, I'm picking up a pencil to to give you my feedback. You'd be like, right, so when you do that, you have to be absolutely like rock solid that what you're saying is bang on the money and is going to improve this. You're not just giving feedback for the sake of giving feedback. And I think that's a really powerful point. Um, but if a client views their role as feedback giver, yeah like then we're not going like that isn't their role. My role is to get it bang on the money first time round. like that's my job. So give me the time and the and the wherewithal and the space to deliver that for you um if you If you think, well, I'm here to give you my feedback, like that's no, no, your job there is to approve it or not. You know that is your job as the client. Um, that's why I've never understood why people present. work. they just send over an email? here's the is the work? I'm like, what? No, that's not how you show a client work. You go and meet them. You get off your ass. Um, that's uh, this. This I mean that we're going into other areas, but there's a lot of laziness now in agency land. Um, uh, there's not the same emphasis on understanding the client and understanding the, uh, the that, cust- that brand's customers and all the things we talked about. And then being asked to fucking go to the client's offices and present them the work. Defend your work. Fucking sell that work. Tell them why it's brilliant.
1: Yeah, I enjoy that. Um I've I've used up a lot of your time but I want to sort of finish up talking talking a bit more about your agency. We we touched upon it earlier when when the coffees were being made. <laughs> yeah. Um but I, we, we we haven't really actually you haven't said what Mellor and Smith do. What 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 are you? Give me give the me elevator a, pitch. Yeah, give give, um, give me <laughs> We
0: are yeah, we we are a brand and advertising agency. We're based in London. Uh, we're 11 years old and we get Brands noticed. That is that is what we do. We'll get you noticed. Really simple.
1: And how how have you grown over the years? Because if you're saying you're really good at this, why are you only 11 people after this long? Why why aren't you? Well, why are there other agencies that are doing? Is that
0: the metric by which you consider success? No, of course not. Uh, Consistently, so we're 11 people, and we've been consistently around 10, 11 people for most of uh, the agency's time. I have absolutely no interest in growing a big agency. I'm not looking to uh, uh, sell the business to Martin Sorrell or any of the other fuckers that run networks. I'm interested in producing the best work. Um, And you don't need lots and lots of people to do that. We have a really tight-knit team. Um, I think in those 11 years, I think four people have left. It's incredible. People stay for a long time, um, which is something that I, me and Jim, pride ourselves on. That's something you know. You know that you're doing something right in terms of creating a culture where people actually want to work. When people stay for a long time, um, our first ever employee, is Max Cannon, is now a director of the business. So he's the first person to ever fucking walked through the door we employed. Is still here nine years later. Um, and has now got skin in the game and is a director and and part of the business. Um, I've yeah, I've no interest in growing a big business. I don't think you need to. And why the? like That sounds like a massive headache. Uh, if you're interested in making loads of money, then yeah, grow your business, get massive scale, and then get Martin Soul to get his checkbook out. But that's not what I'm here for.
1: Paul, that's brilliant. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. Um, I'll, I'll I'll leave all the all the links. Um, to to Miller and smith and the, the articles you talked about but yeah thank you very much for joining me
0: yeah and if anyone's out there and wants to get in touch then they can just hit me up on linkedin i'm on there i don't go in for any of the any other twitters or anything like that i just get find me on linkedin and if you want to shoot me a message go for it
1: awesome thank you, mate. cheers bud thank you for listening to this episode of the marketing mashup podcast for those of you that have made it to the end send me a tweet at jay mckinven And I'm going to send you something special in the post as show my appreciation for you making it the whole way through the podcast. And if you really did enjoy it, make sure you leave it a review on iTunes. It really helps the podcast grow. Thank you very much. Have a lovely day.